quickly. It's a draw. It's a draw. And then she gets it back. Oh, you're kidding me. And the Sunshine Coast Lightning have achieved the unthinkable. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of The Inner Circle. With you is Sharon McMahon and Bianca Chatfield. Bianca's just giggling in the background because I may have got the uh, title of, of that wrong in the first try. That's okay. Do you know what? I nearly did that on Twitter the other day when I was talking about it. So oh, I, I understand where your head's at. Uh, well, we are back again to chat all things netball. And it is a very exciting time at the moment because the World Cup team is being announced Tomorrow. Officially announced tomorrow, but we believe the girls obviously already know and we're sitting smack bang within that appeal period. We are. We are. My heart goes out to all the girls. I honestly, it's, isn't it such a sick feeling? Mm. And even though we're no longer involved and it's not us having to take a phone call from the coach. It just makes me feel sick. Yeah, that that whole feeling was always just a horrible thing, and it's a it's a weird period of time. The the athletes were notified on Monday as to whether or not they made it, and then having to wait until the Thursday. It's a, it's a long time, isn't it, to have to kind of hold back your celebrations or put on a brave face. And it, and another thing that. Uh, our audience might not understand is also when the girls are told who if they've made the team or not they're not told who has made the team or who hasn't so they're only told if they're successful and so it probably causes a whole nother lot of noises in your head where you're like okay so if I made it then who else did make it and so it just starts all the gossip Uh, around and and it's tough it's tough when you're successful because then you obviously concern sometimes for other people that might not have made it and if you haven't made it then that's another tough circumstance you've got to deal with so hopefully uh you know I know Netball Australia handling it as well as they possibly can um it's just one of those things that we've never ever found a way to announce a team that is right for everybody no that's right it's regardless it particularly Particularly in a major tournament year, World Cup or Commonwealth Games, it's emotional. So mm. it, it's going to be tough either way. We do have Marnie Fechner, the CEO of Netball Australia, joining us a little bit later. So we'll certainly ask her about some of those processes that go in and around um, the World Cup selections or any team selection. Um, one thing that really took my um, eye or ear actually on the weekend was yep. how much commentary specific commentary, there was around performances in that very last round of Suncorp Super Netball. Now, we have heard ad nauseum from Lisa (laughs) Alexander and the selectors that it does not come down to one performance. It doesn't even come down to the performance across the whole SSN season. It comes down to past international um, appearance uh, performance. It comes down to what happens at a squad selection uh, camp. Yeah, combinations. What combinations. There's all sorts of things that go into it. Did you think there was maybe a little bit too much emphasis put on who was winning a position, a position on the weekend? I yes, I do. But then I was working in the commentary team for one of the games, and I was getting involved in it too. <laughs> <laughs> so I couldn't help myself. Bianca, you were one of I them. I was you know, commentating the Magpies Fever game and sitting on the sidelines and just – I was so fascinated how Courtney Bruce was going to yes. play. You know, we Wasn't had her on amazing? the potty last week. And I, you could see before the game she was really nervous. She had that much tape across her yeah. elbow. She had to keep it slightly bent, had a compression um, kind of sock over the top of it. But she before the game spoke to the umpires around my natural stance – I can't keep my arms straight. So they had those conversations. So you could see she was really nervous about she yeah. had one game oh, well, to go. try and make it. Yep. You know, that's what she it was in her head, I think. And anyway, I thought she went out there and had an absolute 
incredible game, was just all over it. Her energy was great. And so I remember saying, oh, I think she's got one foot on that plane to work out just because of that game. So I got too involved You're too. You're guilty. <laughs> Although I will say that obviously all those other things are looked at, but if you're selecting a team for a World Cup, you're going into a World Cup final, you need athletes there that under pressure can perform on the day. Yep. So there is actually something to being able to perform on that very last day. It's the last chance for selection. Can you, it's obviously different pressures once you've made the team and you're over there, but it's pressure nonetheless. And being actually able to cope with that and put your best performance out in that situation is a massive tick. It is. And that's what you've got to do. You've got to be stand up in the tough times and that's the players you want playing for Australia. It's Mm. pretty simple. Another thing that caught my ear was... Michelle Fippard, who is uh, celebrated her 100th National League game umpiring. And she would have done a hell of a lot more than that because she's umpired us in the Commonwealth yes. Trophy in the ANZ Championship. Yes, and they don't get included. She would have umpired us in a lot of matches, that's for sure. Oh, I wonder what her experience with that would be. I'm not sure. But um, she actually spoke to, um, who was it? It was Helen Housby, Helen Housby. Uh, in the game of the Swiss against the Vixens. I don't know exactly what Helen did or said, but obviously something that caught her attention. She blew a whistle and said, goal attack, not interested. <laughs> what? Not interested did you, in the carry-on. Did, did you like that? I love it. I love a bit of back chat because, you know, to be honest, the umpires cop it, don't they? And they <sighs> cop all of our, not necessarily, there's not a lot of verbal abuse, but there's a lot of body language that just is directed straight towards them. And I think it's great when, they've, when they can tell you to pull your head in. Because if they don't do that, they're, they're going to send you off. So yeah. you might as well get a warning right. first just to go, all right, I've got to suck it up and not be overreacting. But I think the game needs it. Well, and, you know, we talk so much about the athletes and how much more physical they are getting and mm-hmm. strong and athletic and the collisions are getting bigger. So obviously the umpires now have so much more to look at and so much more to get their eyes across. It's, it's actually, it would be really fascinating to get someone in to chat about, you know, the things that they look at and the changes that they've seen because it must be so hard to see everything. Well, I spoke to Sharon Kelly, who we know has been, you know, Australia's number one umpire for a long time and she's now a coach of the umpires and I was talking to her on the sidelines on the weekend and I said to her, do you think there's room now to add a third umpire? You know, we spoke about it with Sue Gordian in our first podcast and her question was, you know, where would they stand though? Where Mm. would they stand where they wouldn't get too involved in the game, but then when you needed them involved that they could actually step up because it's all about movement and where the umpires are moving around. And so I did say to her, can we get you on the potty? Because it'd be great to hear from Mm. her about what she's getting the umpires to look at. And one thing on the rules and one rule that really gets me, Sherelle, (laughs) all the time, and yes, this is a defender's thing, but I heard it called a few times over the weekend and it's the intimidation rule. It needs to go. Right. It absolutely needs okay. to go. As right. a defender, isn't our job to intimidate you? Well, yes, absolutely. Our job is to intimidate you over the shot. We need to try and make you miss any way we possibly can because the game is kind of set up for the attackers. So, we've, <laughs> with us, you know, there's not much for us that we can out? do. <laughs> yeah, go for it. But from a goaler's perspective, don't you think that's our role is to intimidate you? And you've got to be <laughs> mentally strong to be able to not let it get you. The bottom line is, yes, the the role of a defender is in some ways to intimidate. There's no doubt about that. Back at you. So does that mean you think (laughs) that waving your hand in the face of a goaler is okay? Well, I think... From three feet? Yeah. Yeah. 
from three feet. Obstruction, you know, fair enough, call that, definitely. But I I think that that's our job is to try and put you off. What's the point in just doing it with one hand, like just nicely over your over the ball? When has a defender ever done that? Because <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't get full information, so we have to try. But I just think, come on, get rid of it. What's one rule you'd get rid of, Sherelle? Ah, question without notice. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Well, the one I'd get rid of. I don't know that I'd get rid of rid of that. <laughs> I coach the goalers. Um, one thing that I think we do need to get rid of is the injury timeout and the way that that is done. I hate that we still, in this day and age, if there wants to be an interchange made, the players have to call an injury time and the umpire has to say, what is it for? And the, the <laughs> player has to go, oh, I've hurt my finger. I hate it. I hate it. And I've even seen match reports post-game going, oh, this player came off injured. Well, no, she didn't. She didn't come <laughs> off. There's no injury there. That's just a that's just a, a change. And one of the things that's being trialled in the ANL this year is um, rolling substitutions. So there's, oh, yeah. There's a box. We've seen it happen at the Fast Five yep. tournament. Um, so I, I don't know if rolling subs are exactly the right way to do it, but I don't mind that those changes can be made without having to call a stop to the game. I don't mind that. And mm. I hate we're, – we're wanting transparency from our players and we're making them <laughs> pretend they've got an injury. I, it drives me crazy. <laughs> that is one that I would change. <laughs> well, interesting you say that because – the goal attack for Fever, Kaylee Stanton, she's obviously just getting used to playing full games out there. So she was getting exhausted by the end of each quarter. And I was sitting right next to the Fever bench and they were strategically calling time in regular intervals to give her a rest. And it was quite obvious to me. Yep. And then she'd have a breather and she'd go back out there and then she'd step up her defence and then they would kind of get back on top during the game. Magpies were also doing that calling timeouts at all different stages to break momentum. But what they didn't realise the magpies was they were breaking momentum, which was then helping Kalia get (laughs) her breath back. And there were that many timeouts during that game. But I felt like going over to magpies, I'm like, do you not know what you're doing? You're actually helping them every single time you call a timeout. Yeah, but it is interesting, those timeouts, though, and how they are being used to shift momentum. Oh, and And we use them back in our day all the time. And I mean, that's it's a tactical timeout. So uh, now, more than it ever was, was, um, that is a legitimate call to make. Teams are legitimately doing that because it's not called an injury timeout anymore. It's called a tactical timeout. So I'm okay with that. I'm more than okay with that. I just don't like the the pretend injury. That's what I don't like. What Do you like the coaches' boxes? This is another thing that's been introduced this year. There's a little box that's out the front and I don't think Simone uses it. Can you, can you as an assistant coach, can you get up there yeah. and stand yeah, in the coaches' anyone, box? Anyone, <laughs> anyone in the on the bench can, can go up and stand. Can that be there? a challenge that I can put out to you that it's some stage oh, during God. the season, I want to see you Simone in the coach's box. Simone probably hoik me back into my seat. <laughs> well, she doesn't use it, but a lot of coaches are getting right into it and they're standing yeah. up there and they're screaming. I, I can take or leave that. I think, I think that was brought in because there were some weird rules around... They couldn't stand yeah, up? Yeah, being able to stand up on a bench, which for me is ridiculous. So th- <laughs> this is just a thing to say, well, we want people to be able to move around on the bench a bit and we need to put some restrictions on that. So that's what that box is. So Which potentially will become probably the interchange box when the well, rolling right. subs. Well, that's right. I'd, yeah. <laughs> I'd certainly think about putting that in. Um, another one I wanted to throw at you, um, and we will talk to Marnie Fechner about this later too, is the international players playing um, in Suncorp Super Netball. Now, there are over a quarter of the players playing, mm-hmm. uh, more than one in four are international players. Um, 
I actually see this as a really great thing for the competition and for netball more broadly from an international perspective. One thing that has caught my eye, though, over the last week or two is the repla- permanent replacement players that are coming onto the list. Kimi Oropoi has just been announced as a replacement for Maddie Brown mm-hmm. for the Magpies. Now, anyone who watched Fast Five or has seen uh, Kimi play, she is an absolute dynamo and I cannot wait to see her in the SSN. Um, Shadeen van der Merwe from South Africa has just been named as a replacement for the Thunderbirds in Beth Cobden. Um, and Lindsay Potgeiter. Mm-hmm. Now, this is one that our super sleuth, Michael Hutchinson, who yes. is a stats extraordinaire, he works is. on the SSN, put up a little picture that the Firebirds had her name in their list. It's not there anymore, so I'm not sure what's going on there. But um, potentially a number of players not being selected from the, repl- from the training partners, mm-hmm. which all of the teams have, but they're looking elsewhere for permanent replacement players. Is that a good thing? Well, so let me take you back to when we set up um, or negotiated the contract with the Players Association and Netball Australia. And a bit of context to that, you were heading up the Players, Players Association, Association with that, that period. So we sat around with the CEOs of all the clubs and Netball Australia and Players Association and player reps. And basically it was worked out that each team would have a team of 10 that are contracted. You'd have your training partners where you could have a minimum of three Um but you could have up to however many you wanted to keep paying to have with you. The one thing that all the clubs wanted to have was the flexibility that if there was a long-term injury, so if someone like Maddie Brown had done their ACL and they knew they were going to be out for the entire season, they wanted to be able to potentially look elsewhere to find a permanent replacement player rather than go to their training partners. It's hard for a young kid who's a training partner Mm. and thinks, oh, my position is open now, I want to go. But when you've only got 10 players and you've only got a short amount of time to have a huge amount of impact, you need to sometimes call on the more experienced players to go into that position. So that was discussed and everyone agreed that's how it should be. The only way it changes is if it's a short-term injury, so a player's missing a couple of weeks, four or five, whatever it might be, you have to go to your training partners for that replacement. But you're not allowed to um, permanently – sorry, when you permanently replace a player, you can go wherever mm. you like to bring them into the system. So I like it. I think it's just unfortunate, I guess, for a young player who is waiting and being a training partner and committed to the club and when their opportunity comes up that they could be overlooked – Uh, but we know there's a short amount of time for teams to win a premiership, so they've got to do whatever it takes to try and get the best team they can out on the track when you have a... You know, long-term injury. Yeah, it certainly makes sense to look at the best players right across the globe. Right across the... And that's where it helps that the import rule isn't restricted. You know, it helps that you can pull anyone internationally. And the thing about, though, the clubs that invest in these international players, it's... You know, they have to make a lot of investment and a lot of sacrifice to bring international players into their club. So it's not an easy option to do it. There's a lot of thought, you know, the well-being stuff at the clubs. They have to do a lot to support these players uh, that come in because they're not used to being in this country. They're not used to how we run. They're not used to how much we train. Uh, so it, there is a lot more that goes into it than we probably realise. Um, and But I think it's good for the game that we're bringing them all in. Mm. Very good. Now, we haven't actually spoken about 
the actual games of netball. Oh, I know. So exciting uh, ones. tell me from round five, what, what was your um what was your standout game from the weekend? Well I there were some amazing games. There were some great games. I mean the two for me, uh, Magpie's Fever, I loved watching that. The intensity from the very start. You just never knew which way it was gonna go. Oh the fever back. They've had a shaky start to the season. Well, I, but think, some good I think they're finding their way mm. and it was their defensive pressure that really stood out to me. Um, they slowed the Magpies midcourt down. Um, you know, Jeeva and the defensive end of Magpies were not going to let them get away with it, mm. but they just ran all over them in the very end and they learnt from that draw that they had with the Vixens the week before mm. because with two minutes to go, you could see that that experience yeah. had really worked in their favour. Um, the other game that stood out for me was just watching Sunshine Coast Lightning. Yeah. They are the real deal yeah. and they keep bringing it every single week and I just am loving watching what they're doing. Yeah, and the, the changes that they can make in their goal circle are really exciting too. Oh, you just never – and that's the thing. That's the hardest thing for a defender is to have the goalers chopping and changing because you can't get used to their rhythm, let alone having international players in that goal circle where you they're a bit unorthodox. Yeah, they don't play absolutely. the way we do here in Australia. Yeah. So it does take you – a Sometimes, unfortunately, it's a few games against those players it takes you to understand how they're going to move and mm. where, they, where they're working. And so that's why I think it's a huge advantage for Sunshine Coast. Yeah, definitely. And for me, I mean, the other, other game that we haven't mentioned are the Thunderbirds against the Firebirds. The Firebirds being hit really hard this year with injuries. Ramelda Aiken in particular out mm. of that side. So the Thunderbirds having a, a really their second really good win of the season. Um, and, of course, my Melbourne Vixens um, having their first loss of the season against the, the the Swifts and the Swifts were very impressive. They took away all eight points, so yes. one every quarter. Um, and did I, you have like? Did you have an idea going into that game um, that Swifts were going to be so good? Like, did is, did Vixen just have an off game? Do you think? Oh, good question. I think so. They're, I mean, we've done some very uh, deep reviews into of what's course. going on and making sure that we, we want to play in the way that the Vixens have done in, in the past, which, of course, is that short, sharp movement and keeping hold of the ball and not giving away possession. And the Swifts made that really challenging. Mm. The, defensively, they put a lot of pressure on. So, Who stood out for you from the Swifts? Ah, good question. Well, they kind of all did, really. Um, I thought um, that that Sam Wallace was a really strong target for them in the, in their goal circle. And yeah. um, defensively, I think um, we slowed them down and made it difficult for them at times, but then um, they were able to, to find that release into her. So she was one that certainly, certainly stood out. And, you know, the challenge for the Vixens now for us is to go up to the Sunshine Coast and play oh. the Lightning this week. So um, I think it's a really good one for the team to, to be able to just go, you know what, that one's done. It wasn't a great game for us. And, you know, as you mentioned, the Lightning are the real deal. They're the real so, deal. So um, it's going to be um, another re really big challenge for, for the group. Now you're at training with the Vixens. How much, you know, we talk about the players and going, having selections of the World Cup and is it, do the girls talk about it at training or is it something that's just kind of, let's just not think about it. Let's just, we know it's happening. We just got to concentrate on Vixens right now. Definitely. It, it's, it's the, let's just concentrate on the Vixens. And I think all athletes know that if you perform for your club, then your likelihood of selection into the Aussie Diamonds oh, is absolutely. much higher. So um, if you lose sight of that fact and, become individual, then it makes it tougher. So definitely the focus is around um, playing well for, for the club and for the team. Um, it can be challenging though, let's be honest. Oh, There's been a lot is. of talk this this year um, around 
what the selections may be. And there's uh, there's been so many tough selections, and I can't wait to hear officially tomorrow what the team actually is because it uh, it would have been. Can an you absolute... pick it yet? Can you pick it? Well, I mean, Linda Pierce has in the Age today. Yeah. What? Yeah. Um, I I don't know. I I still don't know. I I think that. The particularly the the mid court for me is a really challenging one to um, find the selections for. So that that's a bit that I'll be really interested in looking at. Linda Pierce's sources yeah, out there. I know. She's was pretty confident. When I saw it on Twitter, the article, I was like, "Wow, wow she's Netball's just gone hard really on everything." Into the new era, and then it's like, "Bang!" This uh, yeah. is what I think this is the team that I'm hearing all the whispers uh, yeah. about. And we'll ask Marnie about that later because. Um, you know, is it a good thing yeah. that we've? You know, I'm sure that there's some angst going around about <laughs> if that is actually the team that's been um, released early, how that happened. But maybe it's a good thing. Maybe, maybe it's a good thing. Hey, B, before I do let you go, I wanted to ask you a couple of things. You're wearing a brace. <laughs> well, how is that thumb of yours going? You oh severed the tendon. Gosh. Have can you move your thumb yet? What oh, is going on? I know. I'm six weeks post surgery. I can barely move my thumb. The only way I can is if I actually push on the tendon that's been repaired. Oh, B. Yep, so I'm sitting here just massaging it. The whole idea is you can't let the scar tissue build up on the scar because then that affects the tendon. So it's probably been the most annoying injury I've ever had and I'm really happy to be negative about Uh, it. Good, well, you Rehab, I thought we were past that once we finished our playing career. And also, you've just been announced as going down the big slide, the big freeze of the G. Welcome to the sliders club. (laughs) I know, following in your footsteps. (laughs) How do you ever say no to Neil when he rings you you and says, like, he's such an inspirational (laughs) man doing amazing amazing things and he's like you're coming down the slide and I'm like okay, okay I will and then I'm stressing now going what do I wear oh that's the biggest challenge I thought you nailed your outfit you know you had a little bit of netball in there a little bit of was it Wonder Woman yeah. or yeah just yeah. a superhero yeah. kind of esque and <laughs> I thought it looked awesome so now I'm like I can't copy you I but I want to do something similar but I just don't know what so any ideas uh, for my outfit down the slide yeah please? tweet them in yes freeze MND and get your beanies too they'll be running out very quickly they always do every year. It is such a great charity to be involved in, and you wouldn't want to say no, B, because you will have so much fun. Yeah, I, I really can't. It will wait be now. cold, but I, you'll be okay. We've done ice baths in the past. You even nailed a goal at the I end did. of it while you were shivering. They, like, made, me stay in. they made me stay in, which was mean. It was mean. Um, B, we are talking to Marnie Fechner coming up right after this, so let's get into it because I cannot wait to see and, and hear all her insights. Um, it's going to be a really great chat. Stick with us. <laughs> Welcome back to the Inner Circle. Sherelle McMahon with you along with Bianca Chatfield and we are very excited to have with us in the studio Marnie Fechner, the CEO from Netball Australia. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us, Marnie. Pleasure, Sherelle. Always <laughs> good to talk to you too. Thank you. Good. Well, I actually wanted to jump straight into it. We've got um, the World Cup team being announced officially tomorrow. Yep. What is the feeling within Netball Australia and the Australian Diamonds? We obviously had that loss at the Commonwealth Games. Are we out for redemption or is this a completely clean slate? Look, I I think it's fair to say that Australia has always prided itself on lots of gold medals. Um, I think there's a real sense of excitement around this team. I would have hated to have sat in in the seat of the selectors. You know, it's probably... Um, and I don't know whether it's because I'm close to it or because, um, you know, it's just the fierceness of competition in Suncorp Super Netball that that's that final selection and the naming of the team tomorrow comes with a, a great sense of anticipation and obviously a sense of, 
you know, loss for some of the girls that aren't going to make it into that team and, and how, you know, what fantastic athletes they are. But I think in terms of the um, the goal is clear. It's, it's to defend our, our world championship title um, and, um, you know, some redemption for the Commonwealth Games result. Well, we will chat a little bit more about the process around selection a little bit later, but... Um when we talk about that Commonwealth Games mm. and the silver medal, what kind of fallout happened after that? Were there in-depth reviews that happened yeah. in particular in light of that or was it just kind of business as usual? Well, look, I think from a high-performance perspective, and you both have been there, it's business as usual. I mean, regardless of the result, there are wins and there are losses. It's not the result we expected, particularly given that we're on home soil and yeah. that sense of anticipation mm. and pressure that comes with that. Um, I think if I take my CEO hat off, um, you have to um, you have to respect what's happening in international netball and celebrate that. For for years, I think there's been that sense of you know, is it only about Australia mm. and New Zealand in international yeah, competition, yeah. and is is that really good for international netball when we're trying to grow the game? So it was a fabulous um, podium. Um, would have liked to have been in the gold <laughs> medal spot, but it was different, and and I think we can really celebrate that from an international development perspective. Uh, so reviews are reviews. They happen whether you win, they happen whether you lose. Um, I think because of because of the loss, there was a little bit more reflection on where did we go wrong? Mm. The lead up to the the Com Games and and preparation for Gold Coast, there was there was a real buoyancy in the team. There was a sense of this is really strong and powerful. So how do you actually unpick that? Um, and there's way smarter high-performance high heads than me. Um, <laughs> how do you do that? How do you manage, I guess, your role and letting Lisa and the high-performance team do mm. their role? Like at what stages do you get involved and at what stages do you back off? Uh, look, I, I think from a, sitting in the CEO chair and, and, and B, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, just in terms of how broad the remit can be mm. from – um, you know, focusing on growing participation mm. and supporting member organisations and association to really embed and ensure netball's thriving in communities through to international development and the role that Netball Australia plays in international development and everything in between. So I think you need to acknowledge that um, there's a limitation. You have limitations, yeah. and we have fabulous people within our organisation, within our member organisations, and they're the experts. That's why. That's why they're there. Lisa's there because she is a brilliant coach. She understands high performance. She's really well supported by Andrew Collins as our head of high performance and Stacey West in that space as well. So got to let them do their thing and, um, <laughs> and, and test and question and be curious. So you, you spoke about that review and uh, having a look at perhaps where things wrong. So mm. went wrong. If we were to go into that Commonwealth Games again, if we could have our time over, mm. what what were the things that were brought out that maybe we could have tweaked? No, I, I think it's actually um, my words, but as we're moving into this, is don't leave any stone unturned. If there's something that's not sitting right with you, um, talk about it. Mm. And I think mm. that openness and something that I know the team prides itself on is – you know, really calling things out, supporting yeah. one another, caring for one another. But when something's not quite right, you actually need to be able, mm. brave enough to have a conversation about that in a caring and supportive way from a team perspective. So I think there was some reflection around that. Mm. You know, were they? Um, it was some time. There was some timing off. Had we had some conversations in the um, the you know really prepared the team for the uncertainty that came when there was almost a a shock of 
them not performing at their best and, and England having an absolute ripper of a game. Um, and they sort of had a bit of an arrogance and strut around them, which yeah. is probably a little bit unexpected. So yeah. how do you actually deal with uncertainty like that? Now we see the World Cup team is going to be named tomorrow morning on the Today Show. And... We've had a bit of speculation and it is a little bit unusual that we've seen a newspaper article mm. released yesterday written by Linda Pierce uh, with her, what she thinks is happening. I don't know if it's the exact team or not, but is that a good thing for netball or is it a negative thing that you think people are putting the team out there potentially before it's announced? Oh, look, I think that it shows the level of interest, mm. Bianca, and it's, it's just... You know, I can't wait to to actually have that team unveiled and to share that um, with the public. And so, and I'm in it, and I know that there are so many avid fans out there. So I think it's just a reflection of the fact that people, um, you know, want this team to be successful. They're they're bought in, they're rusted on, um, and there's more of that happening. So we're seeing that speculation, yeah. and they're experiencing the headache. I think that the selectors were experiencing <laughs> the last that's few right. weeks trying to figure out how the hell do yeah. you pick this team. Uh, and you know, that's that's the thing. You think about our fabulous, you know, footprint of players that all have that aspiration to to be a diamond. But the reality is, and to be a diamond in a World Cup year, when you girls know that, and and so how do you actually? Um, you know, the the you know the excitement around um, being able to be selected in that team and the anticipation that your heroes may miss out. And mm. uh, look, I just think it's wonderful for the game. And and looking forward to having uh, that announced tomorrow. Now, and- last week we spoke about the selection policy because mm. you know I think Sherelle and I didn't realise that the general public don't realise there is a selection policy that there's an appeal period mm. and we're in that appeal period at the moment. Yeah. Um, is it something that's often used? That was a question we had on Twitter. Was it something that's often used, that appeal process? Look, I, I don't think it ever it ever has been, and it's probably um, probably highly unusual in, in a team sport like, like netball. We yeah. do see it in some of the more individual sports in Olympics where whilst they're part of an Olympic team, it's a very individual pursuit that they're, mm. um, they're taking on. So, no, we haven't. doesn't mean that it can't happen and yeah. there's, a, there's a window for that and a, a process and structure and preparation for that that happens in the lead up to that. But uh, uh, finishes at, at lunchtime today. So we'll, we'll let that close. How bizarre would that be? If you did actually put an appeal in and your appeal was upheld, that would obviously mean that someone would have to come out of the previously selected 12 mm. and you would come in knowing full well that you weren't the first choice. Mm. I, I can't actually get my head in a space where that would be something that you would want to do. do can you ever envisage that? Is this just a box-ticking thing to say we're doing everything we can. Is there a reality that that would ever be used? I think in terms of the appeal process, it's not actually the selection. It's the process for selection. So what what we're actually appealing is that did the selectors follow the right process in yeah. getting to the selection? Not whether you deserve to be in the team or you didn't <laughs> deserve to be in the team because, you know, how we, we wouldn't want to go into no, that. We wouldn't want to get into that debate. So it's really it's a, is about has the process been followed adequately um, rather than the actual selection So an, ind- an individual would be 
testing the process, Correct. not actually to get themselves then selected into the team, but perhaps in future selections yeah. to ensure that that's it. Do you see that that's maybe you're looking at me as I to say, <laughs> it's, I um, don't know. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I think it's it's not being tested. So yeah. with all of these types of things there, you know, there is learning. We've, you know, we've, I'm sure we're going to talk about the match review panel in, in Suncorp Super Netball and whether, <laughs> yes. there, whether that is needed. I'm not sure if I'm giving you a segue there or not. <laughs> Um, but, but like like anything, you know, there, there are generally processes in place and when you put them in there to provide structure should something happen, you never really know until you actually walk through mm. that, um, mm. what you can learn from it, what went well, um, realistically, what are we actually dealing with here. So touch wood, we're not going to be dealing with yeah. um, an, uh, an appeals three, process. Three more hours. Yeah. Three more hours if you need. <laughs> well, <Together>, yeah. <laughs> you, you gave us a good segue about mm. the MRP. It has yeah. been a topic that has been brought up a few times there is no doubt that Mm. the physicality the strength the athleticism of the play and the players Mm. are increasing each year Um, we've seen some quite heavy clashes is there a place there there is a process in in place at the moment where people can bring an incident forward is that the right process or are you looking at something a bit more specific Uh, my my sense is and there won't be a knee-jerk reaction to this and I think that that's really important in terms of um, sitting back and observing there's some process for um, for clubs um, to make um, you know I suppose raise their concerns in relation to what's happening on the court Uh, the next evolution for us is definitely something like a, a match review panel um, and how we actually implement that what we're going to need, how, how the sport's going to need to evolve to actually yeah. put that kind of structure in place. And I think we need to understand that fully as well um, in terms of that. There's definitely um, there's definitely been some really good reflection of the current processes and rules. You know, is 48 hours, 24 hours enough time um, for, for clubs to actually reflect, for athletes to reflect, um, for the clubs and our coaches to actually look at what's happening and be able to contact the league in, in terms of voicing their concerns. So that there's those elements as well. Uh, but I, I do see uh, that in that you exactly right. The physicality and strength of the athletes is you know unprecedented. Mm. Um, it's only going to get more fierce. I think the competition in the games over the weekend and the uncertainty of you know who's going to win. My husband keeps asking me, "Can you help me with my tipping?" Yeah, um, <laughs> no, like, no, no one knows. Have you got a view? And I'm like, no, no, I have no idea. I, uh, um, I know, I really have no idea. And, and isn't that great? Yes. Uh, in terms of that. Uh, the players put their bodies on the line um, to, to win those games and, and we will have to respond, I think, but with reflection um, and understand what we need to put in place to actually you know, make sure that we're looking after the athletes and the sport and the product that's out there. Yeah, now we've seen an independent commission being set mm. up for Suncorp Super Netball. Mm. Can you explain, is, that, is the match review panel something they will be considering or yes. does that come back onto Netball Australia? Can you just explain how the setup works and what their role is? Sure. So I think there's been an ongoing um, consideration from the Netball Australia board is how do we really provide the the best possible environment for Suncorp Super Netball to thrive. It's it's a commercial product. There is a lot of, obviously, focus on our broadcast product and how that grows, how do we develop our fandom. And the, the board recognised that the 
breadth of its remit was was such that it wasn't actually dedicating the specific time to either netball and growing participation or Suncorp Super Netball. So um, the uh, the company um, is a is wholly owned by Netball Australia, um, but it is set up in a way that we were really able to set up a governance group and people with certain skills that we felt would actually drive the, the growth and development of Suncorp Super Netball and give it some dedicated airspace mm. um, to focus on the growth of that product specifically at arm's length from the for the other challenges. You know, we've had a lot of commentary around should Suncorp Super Netball have the number of international imports yeah. um, because that really um, does, you know, put challenges on our high-performance program from a diamonds perspective and New Zealand's not do- is doing something different, England's doing something different again. So if we want this to be the best female sports league in the world and that's the bold vision for this, uh, what do we need to wrap around it to actually give it every possible chance to get there? And that's the commission. Um, we've got some great people. Yeah, no doubt there's mm. some amazing people on there. Netball fans do get nervous, mm. though, don't they, they do. about something like this being set up because they're so passionate about the sport of netball and mm. wanting it to not remain the same but be true to netball. Um, but there can be a little bit of a sense of, oh, is there going to be too much change? Yeah. Do you feel that? Look, I, I do, and um, I don't think I don't think netball is any different to any other you know community group or sport. Change is really challenging, and getting our head around that, and and so I think that the the commission have has this real sense of optimism about um, not only netball but the, the space that it can occupy um, in the sporting landscape here in Australia as the leading women's league here but also the, as netball as the leading women's sport so there's a ho- there's a real degree of care we've had yeah. our first commission meeting and and responsibility for where mm. they take that so I don't um, I, I think that that's well and truly entrenched for the people that are sitting around that table there's also there's also other elements um, you know netball I'm, I'm a commissioner now so we're really close to that's that that connection through to the sport and that's really important Uh, and but also there'll be uh, the competition committee that sits below that similar to the AFL that actually has the the coaches the players um, all of the people that intimately know this game and love this game and, and understand the nuances of what change might bring. Um, you mentioned netball is the the leading female sport mm. in the country. Um, we do have some challenges coming our way with mm. other sports uh, spreading themselves out mm. into that female space. Do you see things like AFLW when the uh, WBBL dif- the different competitions mm. that are coming up is the biggest threat with what they're doing at the elite level or at the grassroots level? Look, I, I think... Um, first, or is it a threat? Yeah, look, uh, firstly at the moment, uh, what I would say is that I think what we're seeing in this space is growth. You know, I don't think that the emergence of um, AFLW or increased investment in, in from FFA or Cricket Australia and women's sport um, as a bad thing. I think that this is just providing more options for young girls, for women to participate in sport and we've seen this week the statistics that have come mm. out in that you know by the time girls hit 17 and you know they're really starting to drop out of sport in huge numbers mm. and that's not healthy yeah there's you know so the more that sport can do um, to provide opportunities for women full stop that is a brilliant thing um, we're not seeing losses for netball we are seeing more women have more opportunities to participate at community level and to participate at the elite level I think over time there's definitely 
say, you know, we're um, whilst we we think of ourselves as a big country, our market, you know, with, with a certain population here, and it's not huge. So competition is going to definitely become something that we're going to have to think about. But at the moment, what we're focused on: how does netball do its job in continuing to grow this sport? You know, yeah. we're not AFL; we do not have the resources of AFL. Uh, so how do we ensure that we're growing the game in a way that's thoughtful, that is responding to you know what what our customers actually want from the game and and how we want to grow this and and I think that the one amazing thing that a number of other sports don't have and, and AFL doesn't AFLW definitely doesn't um, is the diamonds you know <laughs> I you know I think that um, I I know that from a very young age I've got two uh, two girls that are growing up there you know from as early as they could talk I think when you ask them what they wanted to be they wanted to be an Australian nipple diamond so yeah, I've I had that, that conversation with them <laughs> when they were little. Didn't, didn't one of them crank call you Shirelle I think I think that was possibly. my I think that possibly was my eldest that, who are you talking to I'm just calling Shirelle, Shirelle. Yeah. <laughs> just my friend Shirelle I love it so we've seen some netballers you know Ash Brazel Shani mm. Layton Taylor Davies move across and have a go at AFLW yeah. does that concern you at all that girls potentially could leave our sport at the elite level to go and play AFLW? Yeah, look, I, um, at this stage, I think that it, it's a great opportunity. And I think the fact that Ash can can straddle both in, in terms oh, it's incredible, of moving isn't it? and, and, you know, have a really cracking AFLW season and, and then hit the court and just have so much impact um, in, in terms of what she's doing with Collingwood is, is a great thing. Uh, and I think, you know, Shani, the opportunity for Shani to transition out of netball following her retirement to really pass on that knowledge and, and, and understanding that she's learnt through her journey with netball and pass that on to what is really an emerging um, high-performance code in, yeah. in terms of really understanding what a high-performance environment is and what it isn't. And, and I mm. think that that's, that's great. I, look, I... There's going to be competition. There's going to be girls that at some point in time are going to have to make a choice, which is why our focus needs to be not threatened by that, but really focused on the fact that we have got a brilliant product. Um, We've got the best, you know, some of the best athletes in this country playing our game. We've got the best athletes from around the world wanting to come and play in in Suncorp Super Netball in our league. So how do we keep extending that? How do we keep lifting the bar? You know, how do we keep being the target for chasing? Yeah, and I I think that's a really good approach because I think netball and everyone involved in netball, netball needs to be really proud that the fact that they want our girls because they're more athletic, they're strong, they're leadership skills. And you ask any AFLW team and they're using the netballers in a way where they can help grow the high performance behaviours in a team. And mm. none of us would ever have known any of that if it wasn't for playing netball. And I think that's what everyone talks about, this threat of AFLW. And it is, I think, a threat in terms of commercial everything. But I think netball has done such a long amount of work in this that you know, we're going to keep driving it forward yeah. and we need to make sure that people understand that that's where our sport's at. Yeah, yeah look, I think that we... Um, we're we're in a place where we're we should be proud that we've got ambition um, and optimistic about actually being able to achieve that. And the more the spotlight is on women's sport, the more the more netball will shine. Yeah. So you know, how are we taking advantage mm. of, of that moment in the spotlight to take our sport forward? And I think that's what we need to focus on. And it feels like that's happening more and more that we're we're getting to know the players more and their personalities are coming out, mm. which I really love. Um, you, lastly, because we do need to let you go. Um, <laughs> 
you, you touched on it before the internationals, the international raid on the SSN. <laughs> international raid. Uh, no, I'm only oh, joking. Love there a bit is of sensationalism. There you go. There is. Oh, there's more than a quarter of the players. More than one in four players are international players. We've seen a few, even recently, permanently replace players from mm. international stocks, mm. not from the uh, training partner stock. Mm. So. I mean, my question to you is how do you balance Mm. the high performance perspective that is obviously a real driver for the Diamonds and wanting this competition to be the best in the world, thereby increasing uh, the performances from other other countries? How how do you balance that? It's it's a really good question and I think that we'll get things right and we'll get things not quite right in terms of of that balance. I think what we can say is that the Suncorp Super Netball League clubs, and we need to pay credit to them, are providing an amazing daily training environment Mm. for those athletes. So I think there's no no concern there. They keep lifting the bar and we're seeing that in the result and the fierceness of the competition on court and, you know, really the, the the Diamonds teams that will be announced tomorrow that will we'll head to Liverpool. I think our focus is then about the emerging talent and, and that pipeline. I think netball's prided itself on this very clear pathway from, you know, Altona Netball Association right through to the Diamonds. Packing them thirds, as Norma Plummer would say. Packing them thirds. Packing them thirds. But, you know, how, how do you actually – so I think for us it's about how do we ensure that that emerging talent is going to be the talent of choice. Mm. Um, I think there's there's that always that bridging the gap between mm say the Australian Netball League and Suncorp Super Netball. So I think that's the next uh, step and focus for us, making sure that our athletes are shining. So you don't have to look um, overseas and, ha- and, you know, how do we tweak and modify our incentivise rather than, you know, rules and block, but yes. how do we incentivise the clubs to look within our own backyards uh, for, for talent that's really ripe to step in? I like that way of thinking about it. How do we make the young talent the talent of choice coming through? So just a yes or no answer. An international cap or no in the SSN? Not at this stage. Okay, no, good. Not there's, for me either. There's the definitive Do you answer. Want it? Uh, no, I don't. No, yeah. I think I think the balance is really good at the moment. Mm. Marnie, thank you so much. We have kept you for far longer than we should have, but Pleasure. it has been so great getting all those insights. And again, all our guests, we could keep talking to for hours. Ages. But um, thank you so much, and all the best for the announcement tomorrow and yeah. what's to come over <laughs> we'll the next. See whether few the months. speculation was right or wrong. That's right. Yeah. We will. Thanks, Marnie. <laughs> Thanks, Marnie. <laughs> Awesome was that, Marnie Fechner, CEO of Netball Australia, joining us and had some awesome insights into all sorts of different things, didn't she? And I think it's just what I love from Marnie is just there's just a sense of calmness mm. that you know. I, I think when we don't hear how things are going at Netball Australia and and why things are being set up, you know, we all just come to our own conclusions <laughs> and we all get a bit outraged and we all get a bit up in arms about certain things because we don't actually know why and it's just really good to hear all of her whys around why things are being done that way. Yeah, and great to get the insight, for example, into the commission. Uh, as, as I said, sometimes it can be, you know, a bit scary in some ways but everything's I'm, okay. Yes. They've got the best interests of netball at heart. Of course they do. So it is so great to hear that from the boss herself. And Be- no one's appealed. No one's appealed yet. No, that's right. Can't no believe you appealed. never did, Cheryl. No. Oh, because you were never dropped. <laughs> <laughs> well, I won't, I won't go there with you. Uh, it's been a really great program again. Thank you so much to everyone for, for tuning in and listening. And tune in next week. We had a 1,000 downloads 
over a thousand downloads last week, so share the love. Um, we love chatting about it, and it's awesome that you love hearing. And it. we can dissect all of the Aussie team once we know it as of tomorrow.